so many relationships have what it takes. They have that initial foundation that is so strong. They have the love. It's there, like you and I did. We have the love. Sometimes we just need to incorporate more tools and awareness in the space of conscious relating so that we can continue to create what we want and, and really paint this beautiful masterpiece that is our life and relationship together. You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Steamy. Flirty. Hard eyes. Passionate. Loving, connected, in sync, fiery, intoxicating, sexy, magnetic, fun, alive, sultry, turned on, stimulated, <laughs> lustful, and horny. <laughs> I made the last one up. Now that we have your attention, <laughs> welcome to the medicine. That steamy voice you just heard was my love, my king, Chase, and my name is Mimi. This is episode 120 of the medicine podcast. What and is going on, everybody? <laughs> if I this is your first time listening, you picked a good one to start with. If you're wondering WTF was going on, <laughs> I was reading a list of words that can potentially be associated with the topic of today. Yep. The spark. What is the spark? What in the literal fuck is the spark? <laughs> Everybody talks about it. Yep. I'm not sure we all know. Or or we we probably know deep down, but we haven't given enough thought to it because it's sort of just like known in the collective yeah. that we just assume that everybody knows what the spark is. It's kind of like the word god. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, everybody's heard it. Everybody knows it. Everybody uses it. Everybody has a different different kind of definition of yeah. what it means to them. And no one really knows. That's the actual definition of totally. God. No one really <laughs> yeah, knows we're if we're, if we're getting bat. into <laughs> Paul Check land. Yeah. No, but, this, this is fun. We, we, we've been off the topic of relationships for, you know, like a month or so now. Um, but this is our sweet spot. Yep. This is what we know, what we love. Um, what we're excited to share with you guys about. And this is something that comes up all the time, which is just, how do you keep the spark alive? Yeah. How many, I mean, you've heard that a hundred times. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to jump into all things sparky. So like, today is about what is the spark to start with? WTF. What in the hell is this thing? Two, what happens to it? Yeah. Why are people trying to get it back? Mm -hmm. How are you people killing it, losing it, et cetera. How can you bring it back? How can you start it anew? How can you yeah. keep it going once we, once we define this thing? Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll give you some hacks, some tips, some tricks, some things that we've seen work. And um, hopefully this will be really, really fun and impactful. Yeah. And if this is your first time listening to The Medicine, 
Um, if you don't know anything about our story, hopefully if you listen to the intro, you heard a bit about it, but we were childhood sweethearts. We were married very young in our early 20s, uh, loved each other a lot, and you could even say we were hashtag obsessed, hashtag codependent a little bit. And even though we loved each other, it wasn't enough to keep us together. And we actually got really unbalanced and really sick physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of the Ullies. And we separated and legally divorced. And so we were apart for three years, never never thinking we were going to see each other again. And then the universe, the divine, love, magic, God, whatever you want to call it, brought us back together and we reunited and fell back in love and so we literally have a before and after that we can speak to on most of what we're going to talk about today oh yeah um i would say that and i'm not like tooting my own horn but toot toot um i'd say that we do a really good job of everything that we share today we actually embody totally we're not perfect 100 percent of the time 10 out of 10 times but for the most part the reason why part two of our relationship feels so drastically different than part one is because of a lot of what we're going to talk about today we embody it and we know we embody it because we didn't used to embody yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> it feels uh, like a different relationship thus the divorce so this is another one of those tools in the tool belt when it comes to uh, preventing things like divorce, uh, ri- major rifts in relationships, or even if you're not in a relationship, just getting really familiar uh, with the experience of love and its vast attributes is such a healthy practice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no matter where you're at in your love or life journey, whether you're single and wanting to get out there and date or whether you're you know dating casually or in a long-term relationship or you've been married for 20 years wherever you're at most of us all of us i would i would wager want to keep the spark alive totally and so today is going to help you do that totally before we get into it a couple things uh one thank you everybody for listening if you're loving this we would so appreciate if you share if you give us feedback um, both Megan or Mimi, if you refer to her as that, <laughs> uh, both her and myself are so open to feedback. Uh, we'll actually be doing more and more, uh, one-on-ones, you know, consultations with folks. That's something that we're, we're hearing is, is, um, desired by listeners and, and followers. So if you're interested in that, w- we can definitely start carving out more time for, for formal, you know, one-on-ones or, or personal coaching, if that's of interest to you. Um, and then just, just word of mouth is, is, the language of love for this show. And Mm -hmm. we so appreciate everybody who's putting it out there. Share this on your Instagram, share this on your social. Um, It really, really helps us. Um, And also fun new announcement, Spotify now allows the option for reviews. So we recently started, you know, really honoring and saying thank you to people who leave genuine five-star reviews. Um, So we personally send you a thank you gift. If you leave uh, a review on Apple Podcasts or now Spotify, all you have to do is just before you push submit or send uh, on your review, just take a screenshot and email it to themedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Our good friend Hallie will uh, send it to us and make sure you also um, include your name and best shipping address and we will personally send you a thank you gift. 
Um, usually it's uh, one of our partners, one of the products or brands that we talk about all the time. King Coffee, Real Mushrooms, Ned, Toto, AHCC. There's tons of things that we got going on that we, we send as thank yous. So I promise you it'll be worth your time. Totally. All right, my love, I want to know before we get into this juicy, sparky episode, <laughs> sparky. what do you got going on in your medicine mug? This is a Let's Get Mushy mug, which is also on our website if you guys are interested. Um, what do you got going on today? What I got going on, I am drinking some Ned Mellow. This is the naked flavor. Naked mm. kind of impl- implies that it is flavorless, but it is in fact not flavorless. It tastes like a healthy cream soda. And I drink this probably four times a week. Um, it's a great source of magnesium. And Ned only uses top shelf ingredients, materials in all of their products. We absolutely love them. And they have a few different flavors of this mellow. They have the naked flavor. They have a lavender berry, which is really unique and interesting tasting. And then they have a lemon. So if you're a lemon lover, check out the lemon. But if you do not have a good source of magnesium in your life, you're probably a little deficient. No offense to like Costco or Kroger that have these like branded magnesium products, but they're really, really low quality. Even like Calm, I think is probably the most popular magnesium brand. Not shitting on them. It's better than nothing, but this is premium magnesium. There, there Mm -hmm. are a long list of benefits and, and probably even more than I know um, that magnesium supports. Yeah. Your mind, your cognitive sleep. capabilities, sleep, rest, relaxation, restoration, uh, which which has this indirect effect on things like hormones. If you're yeah. if you're in a stressed state constantly, mm-hmm. your cortisol's through the roof. You're not allowing your body the time to be anabolic, to be to be repairing, to have these growth hormones like testosterone and growth hormone, which are really helpful for men and women as far as living an optimal life. Um, yeah, magnesium is one of those minerals that also uh, digestion. is so important. If and you can't poop or you're constipated, <laughs> yeah. have some magnesium. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So so we love it. It supports my entire body. And uh, yeah, loving the naked flavor. So I just mix it with cold water and maybe an ice cube or two and sip on it. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah, love that. What about you, my love? What do you got going on in your cup? My cup, I have such a staple today. Um, I am sipping on a delicious afternoon cup of King Coffee, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I, w- I was trying to decide if I was going to swear, but <laughs> I feel that passionately about how good King Coffee is. Um, it's such a great like afternoon pickup. It's got a really small amount of caffeine in it. Mm-hmm. And then when it's paired with the reishi spores, that caffeine is so much less stimulating, so much less... Um, you know, jolting, jolting on your adrenals and, yeah. and everything. So it's a very like sustained release, a uh, very, very nice energetic boost to an yeah. afternoon. Plus it tastes delicious. It's a little lighter than you would get like in a, in a traditional black coffee, like drip black coffee. It definitely goes down less acidic and um, it's got a host of benefits from the actual reishi spores themselves. Yeah. So reishi spores, if you're like, what? I've never heard, like, I've never seen reishi spores. What is that? So the spores are basically like the seeds of the mushroom, the the fungal organism, and they contain all of the uh, intelligence and nutrients that, you know, uh, 
to procreate <laughs> and to, you know, um, release into the air that go and make new fungal organisms, new mushrooms. And so this company, Organo, not to be confused with Organifi, Organo has this patented process of cracking the shells that surround the spore. So this is why you don't want to just go pick up reishi spore powder from anyone and everyone because uh, there is this really delicate process that has to happen. You have to crack. There's actually two shells, these endo spores, these endo shells. And uh, so if they're not doing that in the right way, you're kind of just wasting your money. So this, this company does it right. And the spores are said to be up to 80 times more potent mm. than other parts of the mushroom, like the fruiting body. Now, the fruiting body has its own list of benefits. Um, but if you are... If you are a coffee lover, drinker, and, you know, sometimes we think we have to give it up to, like, get to the bottom of our health issues, and I'm, I, I, that's what I did. I gave up coffee because my gut was just feeling super acidic. Every time I drank coffee, I just felt gross afterwards, um, and it really just started kind of, like, burning my stomach, and uh, I, I didn't love it. Then... <laughs> My good friend, Emily Morrow, uh, turned me on to King Coffee, and I never have gone back. Yeah. It's all I drink uh, now, and basically all you drink, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm over a year into King Coffee and just loving it. Yeah. I, when I go back to I, – I do love traditional drip coffee, um, a really nice, like, pressed uh, French or, like, even a, a, a crafted, like, artesian um, – pour over is yeah. really fun and delicious but and when it comes to just daily coffee consumption yeah. this is going to be my future what's really fun too is we've been playing around with a ton of ways to like lighten up these coffee comp like combinations we have a really really fun formulation for you know turning a, a traditional black coffee or a traditional you know mushroom mm -hmm. coffee like king coffee into just a freaking amazing latte combination mm -hmm. uh tbd nothing's finalized yet but there's going to be some fun stuff coming out of the medicine when it comes to how you can up level your coffee game love it yes more more much more to come on that soon as soon as we can share we will for sure if you want to try king coffee for yourself go to the show notes and click the link um i could give you the link but it's nothing cute or easy <laughs> to remember right now so go to the show notes and go from there or you can go to themedicine.com and go to our medicine cabinet and king coffee is in there as well as the black coffee, which is from the same company, just a different flavor, basically. So I have one of each every day. They're amazing. The black is a little darker, a little bolder, and it tastes more like regular dark black coffee. Um, all right. You ready to, to get into the spark? Let's do it. So the first thing, let's define this thing. Let's do what it. in the hell is the spark? Mm -hmm. We've all been talking about it. Everybody's heard this saying. How do you keep the spark alive? Yeah. So I love this definition that you've come up. It's not that you've taken this from Webster. No. no. Uh, what does the spark mean to you? When I think about the spark, I think of it in the way of <clears throat> the magnetic chemistry we feel when polarity is at its peak. And if you've listened to any of the other relationship episodes from The Medicine, you've heard us talk about polarity. But if this is your first time and you have no idea what polarity is, it is the relationship of different, you could say, opposite energies. 
So how they play together. So polarity isn't just in relationship. It's in everything. Everything in the universe runs on polarity. Without polarity, we have no context for anything. What I mean is right, left, up, down, east, west, dark, light, masculine, feminine. All of these things are in polarity. They have to both exist or else the other does not exist. We don't have any reference. We don't have any context for our world unless we have these opposing type energies existing around us. So then when we talk about polarity in relationship, we're talking about how the masculine and feminine energies play together. They exist inside each one of us individually. We all have some degree of masculine energy and some degree of feminine energy. It exists on a spectrum. And then there's also polarity between the two people in relationship, whether it's a same sex or heterosexual. It doesn't matter. There will always be one person that is more masculine and one that is more feminine. We also use the terms sometimes alpha and omega just because it feels more real. It feels more realistic for me to say my alpha rather than my masculine. Yin and yang Mm -hmm. as well. Um, It's plays that we talk about all the time. And the reason we're repeating it is because it's so important. Once you start to see these things play out, it's like having cheat codes in life. Um, and it's a her- it's literally like a, a, a principle of the universe. It's a hermetic principle that goes back mm-hmm. ancient, like into Egyptian times. Yeah. Um, as as in the same way that you've heard as above, so below, as within, so without a similar kind of like rule of the universe is this dynamic of the fact that there is a feminine and masculine energy to everything. And they they are polarizing. And when done in balance in the romantic setting, create the spark. Yes. So we have some characteristics of the spark. Just to just to go into this a little bit further, we have about six we're going to run through. The first one that comes up for me when I think about the spark, a characteristic that is so important is presence. Yeah, To absolutely. be present. So what does that mean? That means when, when there is a spark between a, we're just going to use a, a man and a woman in this circumstance, yeah. but we're very open and accepting of all types of relationship dynamics. But in this case, we're going to be talking about him, her a lot. Mm-hmm. When you are present, you are not worried about the future and you're not telling yourself stories or limitations from the past. And rather, you are completely showing up with that individual. Mm-hmm. What this can look like is when when you're at this like the spark phase, you can be totally in public, but not aware whatsoever of what anyone else in the room or the setting is doing. You're completely dialed in on that other mm-hmm. person. You've completely forgotten about your phone. You've completely forgotten about messages and pings that are hitting you. You don't know what time it is. You've Mm -hmm. lost track of your calendar, your agenda. You're finding yourself not concerned with pretty much anything except that moment. Mm -hmm. I've I've found myself when when the spark is alive, neglecting bedtime. Yeah. Skipping (laughs) skipping other obligations. Totally. Because I'm so present and engaged in what's going on. Yeah, it takes priority. It takes, you know, like it feels like it takes up more space in your head and in your body than anything else has space for. And I feel like, you know, when this spark is really alive and thriving, I feel like the rest of your life could be kind of going up in flames. And if this magnetic energy, this magnetic love is flowing, it's like you're not really concerned with those flames as much. Like you're just kind of, it's that feeling that, when you're <laughs> on elf when 
when he runs into the room and he's like, I'm in yeah. love, I'm in love, <laughs> and I don't care who right. knows exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. That's how you can just feel walking down the street. You're like, eh, don't care. Lost Perfect. my job. It it stings a little less because this other area of my life is so fulfilling. Yeah. So you're, you're so present. I, I can pick up on when couples are in this phase. Uh, when you're out at a restaurant or oh, out in yeah. a public setting, because you'll see the body language of each one of them and they're completely engaged with each other. They're almost blinded to everything else that's going on. Yeah. You, can, you can always tell. Um, next characteristic that really comes to mind for me is, is the spark is magnetic mm-hmm. without consciousness, without effort. There is this pull towards each other. Mm-hmm. You feel like an unquestionable surge of happiness the moment that you see this person. And I remember like in high school when we were dating and I would see you like get out of your car to come into my uh, house, like uh, up to the doorway. And I just remember a surge of energy <laughs> of like, she's here and like, yeah. and just so much excitement yeah. and fun that there's this magnetic pull towards oh, yeah. the other individual. And you can like just think about this person and just get a huge grin on your face Totally. and there's no, you're not even saying anything. You're not talking to anyone. You're just thinking about them and you find yourself like grinning like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or, or, or you're across the room from each other. Maybe you are in separate conversations, but you feel the pull mm-hmm. of that other individual because you're in this phase of, of spark of just combustion and mm-hmm. it's, it's palpable. Yeah, it, it, it can almost get to the point where it feels almost intoxicating. Right. Where every look, every touch, every word between you two is just like dripping with this magnetism. Love that term, dripping. <laughs> um, another characteristic that is so crucially important to uh, kind of the, the spark phase is vulnerability. You can sense your own as well as their own comfort in front of each other. And it's completely authentic. Opening up to them may seem like it's not a problem. Rather, it might even be comfortable to open up and be yourself with this other person, which, oddly enough, is extremely rare. And also, I would say this can actually become a detriment because if people feel very comfortable too soon, it can actually, you know, it can actually harm them where they give themselves too early or too much uh because they feel so strongly so like this is one of those things that kind of has to be in balance so and that's that's a a great point i think we're talking about all of these characteristics in an ideal yeah spark situation not like a predator manipulator (laughs) situation but but i do have you know one thing i did want to bring up is under this kind of vulnerability characteristic something critically important is that there's this sense that everything I tell this person is respected and empathized. Mm-hmm. There's an un, a deep understanding about the, the sharing of vulnerable things. You are probably going to be finding that things or insecurities that you were once really worried about no longer seem relevant. Mm-hmm. They feel safe. They feel unearthed and okay. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately because we have this feeling of this person really sees me yeah. and at our core, every human on earth just wants to be fully seen by someone. Totally. Vulnerability plays into some of the chemistry we're going to be talking about in a minute. You may lose all inhibitions. Yeah. They may completely <laughs> yeah. go out the window. That's what I mean. Because you have been vulnerable, seen, and you know that it's safe. So 
it can be a green light for something else, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. Yeah. Another characteristic, everybody knows this during that spark phase is playfulness mm-hmm. and novelty. Flirting com- becomes natural. It's almost light. It's almost like breathing. There is a sense of newness and novelty with every experience and it allows for this feeling of adventure when you're with that person. You literally feel like you're in, I mean, I mean, when you're in this phase of like spark, you're like, damn, those fairy tales were so yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, it's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I do want to say that like, this is what we're talking about, you know, polarity. You can have polarity between any two people, just the, having one person that's more masculine, more feminine. Just the polarity in and of itself doesn't mean that you're going to have this spark. All of these other characteristics is what adds to that spark feeling because we all know you can go on a date and have some level of polarity where, you know, the person in front of you is either way more masculine or way more feminine. You have that technical polarity, but there's something that's just missing, that X factor, that mm, I, I don't know what it was. We've all said this. Yeah, they were really nice, but like, I I don't know what it was. I just, I didn't feel it. Hey friend, I wanted to change the subject for just a minute to read something really important to you. This is feedback we received from a woman named Kelly, one of our amazing users of Immune Intel AHCC. She says, so I've been taking AHCC for a little bit over a month and my skin has never looked so good. I am 35 and have suffered from hormonal acne since I was a teenager. I thought I would never get rid of my acne. I just had my period and I have absolutely no pimples around my chin or jawline. And my melasma is finally clearing up too. I have tried countless prescription and over-the-counter medications and have seen so many dermatologists with little improvement. Also, I feel like my hormones have balanced out. I am less irritable, as well as less inflammation going on in my body, decreased back pain, and bloating. I'm so glad I came across you on Instagram. Thanks for sharing the knowledge. Okay, here's one more, just because they light me up so much to share with you. This beauty is staying anonymous. She says, I learned about Immune Intel AHCC from you on a podcast, and in four months, it helped clear my persistent high-risk HPV that I've had for seven years. I love these two testimonials next to each other because it's a testament to the balancing and normalizing effect that AHCC has in each individual body. One woman was supported with her acne flares and the other had support in clearing her high-risk HPV. I am consistently amazed by the power and intelligence of AHCC. To try Immune Intel for yourself, go to themedicine.com forward slash products or just check the show notes below. Cheers, my love. Yeah, we're, we're talking about six characteristics of spark. All six, It needs to be a six out of six to be a real romantic spark. Mm-hmm. You can have a couple of these and it can equal friendship. You can have a couple of these and it can equal sexual chemistry. It yeah. might be a one night stand. You can have multiple characteristics of this and not have anything at all because you need supportive characteristics to kind of round out this romantic spark. Totally. So when it comes to things that are playful and novel, you might find yourself realizing that that you're kind of at this state or at this characteristic because you are not worried about what to say. Mm -hmm. You're not worried about how to say it, when to say it. 
there's no like consulting your friends about how to message them or mm -hmm. he said this, what should I say? How long should I reply? You have dropped the game. It kind of brings out this like adult version of your childlike playfulness. Kids don't think about that. They're not calculating. They're, they're just present and they're just in their feels and they say what they want to say and they feel what they want to feel. And I feel like the spark kind of brings that out in all of us. Definitely. It is flirtatious. And it, in that, in that, when you're not thinking about, you know, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? How long do I have to wait to text him back or whatever? This stupid chess game that exists in dating just goes out the window and everything just seems to flow more easily. Totally. I, I would say if you feel like it's a chess game, it's a red flag. Yeah. And um, we can talk about that when it comes to dating red flags and some of the other topics we've discussed already on the show. Um, but, but that is a sure sign that this isn't really spark. This mm -hmm. is, this is a formula, a transaction. When it, yeah. If you feel like you're playing a game. Totally. All right. Next characteristic I'll share. Um, number five is familiarity highlighted with curiosity. So it's this feeling like you've known this person for so long, even though you just met, you know, an hour ago, it's this like, where have you been all my life yeah, type feeling? Totally. It's, it's that, that saying we've all heard in stories uh, that where have you been my yeah. entire life? And it's funny when we got back together in part two, I sort of felt like, where have you been my entire <laughs> life? And you sort of have been in my entire life. But even recently we, we spent some time with, um, a really just, almost like a family member level friend and she's in a relationship that's somewhat new but man they have really incredible chemistry and you can just see the look in their eyes that like they they almost emit like they've been together for a long time it just like mm -hmm. freaking makes my heart swell it, it feels so good to witness that and, and know exactly yeah. what that feels like um i think it, when it comes to familiarity and and you know really really important piece of all of this familiarity is just like continuing this this energy of curiosity but mm -hmm. when it comes to familiarity i think Part of this characteristic is that feeling of you're able to communicate generously, abundantly, and you haven't even thought about the fact that, oh my God, I could be oversharing, over-talking. Rather, it doesn't feel like a hassle at all. Mm -mm. I've dated, or even just with friends where it's like, oh my God, I don't even want to text this person. Yeah. Even if I'm- You have to like gear up. Even if I'm fine, like having a conversation with them and I like them, it's like, Oh my God, this is just too much energy <laughs> yeah, to, to totally. talk or send a voice memo or anything. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just going to ghost for 12 hours. Yeah. Totally. And so this, this familiarity, I mean, we can have familiarity with siblings, with parents, with friends. I think w with this highlighting of curiosity is really important because we had this coming back into part two where we met up and before we were actually back together, it was like, I know you better than anyone in the world, but also who are you? And so, of course, when two people meet, they're not going to have like, I know you better than anyone. But is it is that kind of same, oh my gosh, I feel like I've known you forever. Yeah. We have such chemistry, but also I want to keep understanding. I want to keep asking you questions. I want to keep knowing you and finding out about you, discovering you. Totally. The last characteristic, and we alluded to it a little bit, but the last characteristic of the romantic spark is sexual chemistry and it can actually feel like sexual tension i think sometimes that's referred to as wow the sexual tension in this yeah. environment 
what this means, we, we talked about a judgment-free zone. We talked about a really comfortable, vulnerable environment. When those two things are together and you've kind of gone past the flirtatious phase, there are very few and perhaps zero interferences with the desire to eventually be sexually connected. Mm-hmm. Body language. Think about it. It's mm-hmm. open. Yeah. It's soft if you're, if you're sitting in the feminine. It's receptive. The masculine mm-hmm. is penetrating. It's strong. It's comfortably assertive, mm-hmm. not like forcefully assertive, yeah. but comfortably. So this can look like, you know, a girl traditionally playing with her hair, you know, maybe not crossing her arms or crossing her legs. Rather, she's just sitting in, in openness. For the masculine, this can be the grabbing of the hand or leg, you know, naturally tupping, touching um, or grabbing their arm. Um, and then eye contact, you know, mm-hmm. eye contact is both receptive and penetrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes the masculine is like deeply staring into the eyes yeah. and she's just sitting in freedom yeah. and, and reception of this, this gaze. There's a good balance. You don't want to necessarily lock someone in, <laughs> but right. Otherwise you'll look like you're, you know, wanting, <laughs> wanting to, to murder like eat them, them. And <laughs> eat them. Yeah. I was, I was thinking like silence of the lambs level uh, eye gazing, but, yeah. um, I think another piece to this really sexual tension, this sexual chemistry phase is like just realizing that flirtatiousness and playfulness hits a ceiling and you might start finding yourself thinking about more than just flirting. Like both when you're with them and you're away from them, you are ready for action. (laughs) And so I like just, just, just frankly being a guy, eventually you're like, I need to have sex with this person. Like all I can think about is sex at this point. And flirting is really fun, but there's such a chemistry that the next proper move is yeah. sex. <laughs> yeah. And this kind of tension chemistry is is so palpable. Like other people around you can feel it. Yeah. And <laughs> even when we were at Expo West 2019, when we got back together, our good friend Niels, whenever we separated, you and I, he would be like, dude the sexual tension yeah, we were yeah. like what yeah totally yeah because other people can feel it it's it's real it's tangible it's palpable right so wtf the spark what is it well we talked about the characteristics i'll summarize real quick before we kind of move on to how it gets lost why it gets lost why it's important to yeah. keep it characteristic one present two magnetic three vulnerable and vulnerability four playful and novelty keep it new keep it light keep it adventurous five familiarity you you feel like you've known this person forever and you're curious about more six let's talk about sex sexual tension and chemistry huge characteristic of the romantic spark mm-hmm. yeah and it's 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 crazy because i would guess that all of us have felt this at one time or another and i would say anyone who's in a relationship now um, probably felt this to some degree with their person initially. Maybe it was really short. Maybe who knows? Like it, it's different for all of us. But if it's so great, if it's so wonderful, if it's so sought after and elusive, once you get it, WTF does it get lost? That was a yeah. why. Why the f- does it get lost? Yeah. How how do we let this happen? And uh, I found a quote that's that's pretty good. Um, explaining this a little bit. This is uh, Abbe Todi. (laughs) He says, the spark in a relationship never ends by itself. It's us who ends it. It's us who blames destiny. It's us 
who stay in the belief that God will help the relationship. It's our relationship. It's your relationship. Deal with it yourself. And I love this because it sounds kind of harsh. It's like, deal with it yourself. But really, it's good news. It's good news because if we're the ones that are losing it, that means that we're the ones that can bring it back or keep it. Yeah. So it's really taking you out of like victim, like lucky or unlucky in love and back in the driver's seat of ownership, radical ownership of everything that you're creating in your life, including your relationship, whether or not the spark is there. If you've stepped into the romantic spark of a relationship, it's kind of like being gifted at birth this innate ability to, you know, dunk a basketball and not at birth, but like by the time you're, <laughs> by the time you're of age yeah. and you're like a, a crazy good athlete, that's a talent that you need to sharpen and fine tune and put to practice. Otherwise you're going to be potentially missing the potential and the opportunity here. Yeah. totally. I, I was thinking about this and, you know, spark in the traditional definition of a spark is caused by combustion. The initial spark is like when lightning strikes. It's random. It is seemingly like out of nowhere. It's not really curated or planned, but it's powerful and it gives life to flame. That being said, eventually the flame will begin to dimmer, potentially even burn out. To keep that spark alive or to start it anew or keep it going requires a different set of events than what actually caused it to happen in the first place. Mm -hmm. So like, Sure, you can sit around and wait for the next lightning strike again to have the spark. But if you want to keep it alive, you have to learn how to nurture the flame yourself. Mm -hmm. Like learning how to start a fire. Yep, totally. Relationship spark is the same way. The flame and the fire of burning love, if you do not learn how to create it or nurture it, will dim and potentially die. Thus, why keeping the spark around takes a different formula with similar but more evolved characteristics than that of the initial spark, mm-hmm. and, you know, supported by some new attributes that can and should, you know, make the spark even better. No, I love that. I love that point because it's like almost like the initial spark. It almost feels involuntary. Like it almost feels like you're being magnetically pulled to this person. And of course you, it takes two people to feel that and, and you showing up for sure. But I think to keep the spark alive, like you said, it takes a different set of ingredients totally. and it takes, I think, more awareness and also voluntary choosing rather than just being pulled in. And uh, when I was thinking about, you know, why does the spark leave? What makes it leave? What kills it? I was thinking that the initial familiarity highlighted with curiosity, um, it it's so nourishing in the beginning, but as the relationship progresses, that familiarity can actually become a detriment to the spark. So we think that we know our partner through and through. We can finish their sentences. We could even order for them at a restaurant, no problem. We stop discovering them because we know them right. better than anyone else in the world, right? So we just kind of cut that off. And also, the, the mundane of just the responsibilities of adult life take a hold. It kind of becomes the priority where love was the priority before in, in the chase, kind of. Um, the, our responsibilities of the mundane life kind of take uh, a front seat. So kids, rent, bills, stress, jobs, fatigue, health issues, 
that all of that just mutes this magnetism. And somehow, I think most of us are convinced that this shift is inevitable, unavoidable, and I think I would say probably expected or normal. Totally. And our society even has a name for it. We, we call it the honeymoon stage. And we say, oh, yeah, the honeymoon, honeymoon stage is over. Right. And we just kind of like throw up our hands like, hashtag that's marriage, hashtag that's life, hashtag that's just how it is. And uh, there is this sort of just acceptance of it. No, I, I totally know what you're saying. I think many people who've witnessed say it's maybe a parent's relationship or an older relationship. And all of a sudden a topic comes up where they're talking about memories from the past, mm -hmm. memories from when they were dating, the good old days. Yeah. And you see them completely change yeah. energetically. Oh, all yeah, they all of like a sudden a they're, they're flirtatious. Yeah. You know, they're, they might even like, you know, hold each other's hands or something like I've seen it happen in, in adult lives who've, who've hit that kind of phase of like, well, those were the good old days. The honeymoon phase is over. This is marriage, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't. And, you know, just some encouragement that our, our life and our partnership is this beautiful, dynamic, artistic masterpiece that we are all creating every moment of every day. Yeah. And we get to pick the quote unquote colors that we want to use, the best quote unquote brushes, tools and techniques and how we use them together to create our individual masterpiece. And I think we have too many people trying to paint what they see so many other people painting. Yep. Whether it's from media or TV or movies or social media or friends relationships or parental relationships. I think we have unhappy, unfulfilled couples because they're not getting clear on what kind of masterpiece would light them up to create together. Instead, so many of us are following, quote, the mainstream script for happiness, which we've talked about before, which we certainly followed in part one. Totally. What, what's the mainstream script of happiness? Go to school, get good grades, get a good job, find a girlfriend, marry her, buy a house, buy a car, have kids, make sure you're making good enough money. Yeah. Get the dog. Right. Yeah. It, it's like this boop, 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 boop. What's the next thing in the formula of life? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Absolutely not. If that's what you want to create in your life, that's great. If you're choosing it consciously. But so many of us, like you get married. The next question from people around you is, when are you going to have kids? Right. You have one kid. When are you going to have another kid? Like that's the, like everybody knows this yeah. kind of like archetypical totally. formula of quote unquote happiness. If, if you're not inspired to create those things in your life, rather you're following the script and filling in the blank, that's when the spark dies in mm -hmm. your life and in your relationship. And so what I do want to talk about is before we get into just like restarting the spark, nurturing the spark, mm -hmm. keeping it going, how have people been killing the spark? Yeah. Like get specific. Yeah. Um, I think the first one is, and these are in no particular order, but the first one I thought of was she, the feminine, the omega, is actually living in alpha mode for too long, mm. creating these masculine shells to function in our world. 
So what I mean by masculine shells, it's someone like me, I'll, I'll get specific. So someone like me, I have a very feminine omega essence. I rest in feminine. I don't, it doesn't feel good to rest and relax in my alpha. I have to choose to be in that mode. Um, but sometimes that mode, that on switch for alpha or masculine can get flipped on and stay on. So in your career, maybe you are rank high at your company, but you have a feminine essence. So you have to be in alpha mode to be successful at your job or to get through college and be, you know, top of your class and on top of your studies and then you get married and you have kids and then running a household and being a mother. Mother can be feminine, yes, but it's also you're leading. So you are by default in the, the alpha in that relationship. The kids are in the omega, yeah. in the feminine. You are in alpha. You're telling them what to do, how to do it, when to do it. Exercise, like you got to be in your alpha, you know, paying attention, being, you know, purpose driven, all of this. And I think sometimes when she doesn't remove that alpha hat, before she interacts with her partner, she can stay in that alpha mode. So then what results is having either two alphas, alpha, alpha, which is, can create a lot of problems in, in the household. I mean, sometimes you need that to like get kids in bed and to, yeah. to get, you know, things moving. You, you need that. It's called resonance, that alpha, alpha. Or the other option where it's out of balance is now she is in alpha more and he is in his feminine or omega or following more. Right. And this can look like, you know, we've talked about this before with the out of balance versions of the masculine and feminine is this depicted interaction that we see all the time in movies and shows, which is the oaf and the nag. Think like, according to Jim, everybody loves Raymond. Um, King of Queens, yep. all of these interactive things are like kind of funny, but it's really just, a, they're both completely out of balance and they groom each other to be out of balance. Yeah. We, we have a episode where we talk about, you know, out of balance, toxic versions of the masculine and the feminine in their, you know, traditional archetypes. And so that's a really fun one to check out if you're kind of curious about all of these recipes for killing the spark, because mm -hmm. that goes into, into details on those, you know, it's coming up for me. You've talked a lot about the feminine and the spark of relationship is kind of like when you're learning how to snow ski and you're on like pretty beginner slopes and you just tuck and go straight down <laughs> and you can go pretty fast and you're like, wow, that was super fun. But I'm not like, you're not like wiping out. There's really not any challenges. You just tuck and go as relationships go on and you start taking on harder courses. There's moguls, there's bumps, there's curves, there's turns if you don't have the capacity, capability, or, or continuing to improve your ability as, you know, a skier, you're going to get crushed yeah. by these, <laughs> by these obstacles. Yeah. Right. And in the same way in relationship, same with everything else, right? It's a basic analogy for just evolving in life. Hey homies, have you ever wanted to get more medicinal mushrooms into your day, but don't really know where to start? I get it. It can be a really confusing and frustrating place. There's so many brands and spoiler, most of them are filled with grains like rice and oats to bulk up the end product. Now, it's not gonna hurt you, but it's completely diluted. That's why we only choose real mushrooms for all of our extracts, because it's just that, only that real mushrooms organic non-gmo and third-party tested multiple times 
for the beneficial compounds. My favorite right now is the Tremella. She is the beauty queen mushroom, supporting deep hydration and glowing skin. I blend about a half a teaspoon into my coffee every morning and my skin is loving it. To try Real Mushrooms for yourself, go to realmushrooms.com and use the code MIMI, M-I-M-I, for a nice hefty discount. Remember, we only ever share what has made a significant impact in our lives. Enjoy, my loves. Um, what's coming up for me, though, is what the man oftentimes or what the masculine oftentimes has to evolve into. You know, it's this, it's this mogul or this bump on the ski course that hasn't necessarily come up in the beginning phases of the spark relationship, but there's such an interest from masculinity in the feminine during this pursuit phase, which so often coincides with the initial romantic spark. The masculine is in complete prince mode. You know, it's the prince archetype, which is rescue the princess from the castle and defeat the dragon. Mm -hmm. It's very purpose and mission oriented. In this case, the feminine's um, acquisition, if you will, in dating or the early parts of a relationship is literally the purpose and the mission. Masculinity is purpose driven, mission driven. That is the fuel behind the energetic power of masculinity. So in these early phases of the relationship, funny enough, the feminine is the purpose. Mm -hmm. When you get into marriage, serious relationship, more commitment, it transitions a little bit. And purpose and mission will, because, because the feminine's been achieved, essentially, the mission's been complete, there needs to be a realignment on purpose and mission. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be the continued nurturing of family and relationship, and it'll have to evolve. But a lot of times it actually needs to be something outside of the family dynamic, outside of the relationship dynamic, Mm -hmm. to continue to nurture a healthy masculine fire. Yep. We can get into that in a lot more detail. But what what you often see is this this purpose mission that is the feminine during dating, during the spark phase, is obtained. And I don't mean that in a weird, like, dominatrix way. Possessive way. way. I just mean, like, it's it's been achieved. And so there's this level of emptiness because purpose and mission is no longer available mm-hmm. and they're not dedicated enough in their life and their external world to create that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think sometimes this can show up, uh, if dude guy isn't connected to his purpose and mission, uh, if he's still latched on to her, um, it can actually kind of come across as like neediness yeah. and it's, it's kind of counterintuitive because we, the feminine as the love driven being, you'd think that we would want your undivided attention 24 seven, like to receive more love, but actually what the feminine wants is for her masculine to have an outside mission or purpose and then choose her, not choosing her because he has nothing else of importance in his life. Right. And if he doesn't do that, she will actually become repelled by him. She will actually become resentful of him it sounds so backwards but it's it's real totally and i think you know as we're talking about the recipe for killing the spark another problem another killer is we all get really good at ignoring the signs signals and intuitive feelings that something is off and 
I think there's a couple of reasons for this. I think most of us are not taught healthy and effective communication tools. Um, we may not have the skills to say what we want to say or how we want to say it, or we just lack the confidence to speak up when we feel some sort of disconnect happening. When we feel that shift and we're not conscious to it, when we're not in sync or on the same page of like, there's going to always be shifts and cycles in your relationship and in your life. That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're completely unconscious to it and not on the same page, it can sort of feel like it's happening to you, like without your, uh, without your permission or kind of like against your hopes for the relationship. And you can start to feel that disconnect kind of getting bigger and bigger and bigger um, in the relationship. I think the other reason is that we mistakenly assume that it will fix itself when this disconnect starts to happen. And instead of acting on it, instead of speaking to it, um, we just, you know, assume mistakenly that it will get better, that it will fix itself. And newsflash, <laughs> um, I don't think it ever will fix itself on its own completely. Just like your body, you know, won't just magically get into shape if yeah. you're wanting to improve your physical shape. We must intentionally change something to receive a different result in our life. Yeah, or it's like, I'll do this later. Ah, whatever, we're married. Yeah, Ah, whatever, totally. she moved in. I'll, I'll deal with this later. She's, yeah. she's stuck with me. Totally. Um, take it from me, guys. It doesn't work. And it's where I support certain elements of divorce because it needs to be the feedback that certain people have to receive as a newsflash, if you will. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of ways that things can go wrong. There's a million ways that things can go wrong. Sure. The spark can die. Sometimes they don't even have to be that drastic. It can just like fall off mm -hmm. because it's not fun and novel enough. Totally. So how do we keep this thing going? I love this quote from one of my favorite authors and teachers in this space. Her name is London Angel Winters. She says, when you understand that magnetic attraction is a function of certain behaviors you discover you always have the ability to create polarity or spark at will, which is like so good to hear. <laughs> totally. And so what we're going to talk about is some of the themes and some of the bigger characteristics behind kind of this next version of keeping the spark alive, as well as just some practical things that you can implement in your relationship and in your daily life. Mm -hmm. So number one, to keep the spark alive, realizing the whole is greater than the sum of its parts when it comes to the relationship, i.e. there can actually be a third. We love to call the relationships, the relationship that we create a third. Maintaining independence in order to become individually complete and not codependent is, com is super, super important. It's not you complete me, rather mm -hmm. I complete me. Mm -hmm. And when you and I are completely whole, we can make an entirely new thing called the relationship. And thus, to serve the relationship is not to serve one another, but instead this third entity that is more profound than the two of you separate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. You can only love someone as much as you love yourself. We talk about it all the time. If you love yourself completely, you can receive the love of another completely. And those two together at 100% create this third entity called the relationship. But... Let's just say you only love yourself 90%. There's still 10% of these things that you're, you're holding on to that you don't have self-love for. You're only then going to be able to experience the love of the other person at 90% as well. 
So instead of being, you know, just 10% away from wholeness, you're actually 20% away from wholeness in the relationship, from this, this third entity of the relationship that we've been talking about. And that little difference, that 10%, that 20%, is where expectation, bitterness, resentment, doubt creeps into the relationship mm-hmm. because it's not yet complete and there's gaps, there's vulnerability, there's yeah. susceptibility. Yeah, totally. I, I would say that, you know, when someone hears this, like, you are whole, you are complete, I think that there sometimes can be confusion on like, well, you guys love self-development. Are you just whole? You're just fine. You're perfect. You're never going to change anything about yourself. It's not that you're not changing or growing or evolving. It's like the concept of, of people who think, you know, that they're incomplete and they have to find something outside of themselves, like another person to complete them. Picture like a piece of fruit. They're thinking that they have a piece completely missing. And so if you look at an orange and there's a whole chunk missing, that's what they're thinking. That's what they're looking for outside of themselves to fill that gap. Rather, what we're talking about is you are a whole perfectly shaped orange. When you change and evolve and grow with the understanding that I am already whole, just picture that whole piece of fruit growing and expanding. You're not adding anything to it to complete it. It is just growing and expanding. So practical examples would be, hey, I came out of a traumatic uh, childhood upbringing. It's not my partner will fix this for me. It's I'm going to work through this. Maybe it's counseling. Maybe it's therapy. Maybe it's your own self-study. Maybe it's your own inner world work, as you love to say. Maybe it's I'm not in the best physical shape. I can't expect my significant other to come in and you know train me back to physical shape. It needs to be a dedication for me to get into the best situation possible for my health and well-being or mentally or spiritually. I don't really have a connection with a higher power or anything greater than myself or any kind of purpose, but you know, my partner's really into that kind of stuff. So I'm just going to kind of sign up for what they're, they're interested in. Mm -mm, No purpose, the meaning of, of your life. Mm -hmm. If you want to partake in some level of, you know, spiritual connection or metaphysical connection, that needs to be your own relationship. That's what we mean by making yourself whole and not depending on somebody else. And it plays into this next characteristic of an evolved spark in relationship And that is freedom of choice. So characteristic number two in the evolved romantic spark would be maintaining freedom of choice. It's not, I can't live without you. Rather, it's, I can live without you, but I sure as hell don't want to. Yeah. We have all experienced the feeling of being forced into doing something, even when it's something fun. Artwork, music, sports, these are usually forms of play. They're usually forms of fun. But when you're doing it as a part of like school or the demands of a team or for Mm -hmm. money, holy shit, it starts (laughs) to feel like work. It's the, it's the downside of marriage or the downside of a marriage contract. I have, I have to be here. I have to be in this. I signed something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, and that's not, you know, necessarily automatic, but I think it's a really easy tendency for us to fall into mm-hmm. when it's like, well, she's stuck with me. It's, it's legal. You know, it's a lot of work to get out of this. Um, I think it's really easy to step into that kind of apathetic feeling because you, like yeah. you said, signed something. Yep. Another characteristic of of an evolved spark in relationship and keeping this thing alive is recreating play and recreating novelty Mm -hmm. if all you are relying upon in your relationship for play is like 
buying things, taking vacations, waiting for the next holiday, you know, getting drunk or doing mind-altering substances, um, or even like we were talking about earlier, just just referring to the good old days of the relationship. Mm -hmm. The well of novelty and playfulness in your relationship will run out. It'll run dry. We saw it firsthand. Yeah, and, and this reminds me of when we came back together in part two, we made a point to not say that we weren't going to talk about our part one or dating or whatever, but we made a point to not live in the good old days of our beautiful teenage romance and, and constantly going back to those memories. We wanted to create our own new memories as a part of this new relationship that yeah. we were adventuring into. Yeah. It's a, don't use it as a crutch. They're to be valued and loved, but, but not a crutch. So yeah. keep experimenting with play and novelty in your relationship. Stay open to changing both as an individual and with your partner and, and just stay curious about them on, yeah. on how they're evolving. If you allow your significant other to change and you maintain a curiosity into how they're changing, you will see novelty in abundance. Yeah. Even though a fun night out in your 20s was flirtatious and playful, like we talked about in the spark phase well, when you're 35, that may sound like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's a morning coffee. Maybe it's a beach walk. Maybe it's mm -hmm. a hike. It's changing the set and the setting and injecting this newness to something that can spark more play. Yeah. I think if we're talking about kind of how I mentioned this artistic masterpiece that is your life and relationship, that masterpiece, that art piece is going to change over time. And you're kidding yourself. You're fooling yourself. If you think your masterpiece is going to look the same at 50 as it did when you were 20. And I think that's dangerous to, to pigeonhole yourself, but also pigeonhole your partner yeah. that, you know, they're changing or they've changed or whatever. That is the worst feeling in a relationship. One of the worst feelings is, I don't have the freedom to evolve. Totally, totally. And then kind of the last piece of, of really the, the themes behind what recreating the spark looks like is we talked about it in the initial, you know, spark phase, which is this, this idea of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So important to stay confidently vulnerable and get naked. hey Vulnerability is what got you here. We talked about it in the beginning. Don't lose it. Mm -hmm. As you change with your partner, it can become harder to be vulnerable. So there are a few like key things I want to talk about with this. Like vulnerability is like being naked. It can be scary to be naked. In fact, I don't think many people enjoy being naked <laughs> in public or, or, you know, even with themselves sometimes, but in relationship, when the spark is alive, what actually feels like, unlike anything else, uh, being naked with your partner, <laughs> like, yeah. Literally and proverbially. This is the power of vulnerability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It feels fucking amazing. Yeah. Energetically, in relationship, it's the same way. So we talk about this all the time in our in our relationship. Sex is all day, baby. Mm -hmm. Foreplay is all day. That is different from the younger phase of a relationship where sex literally, like intercourse, can happen multiple times per day. And yeah. you, can, you can just be ready to go. Mm -hmm. As you get older, it's the energetics. Totally. And, and, and the secret sauce is vulnerability. As you open yourself, as you reveal your skin to your partner, it is attracting. You will literally want to be 
energetically naked and then physically naked with them. Mm-hmm. Key piece to this is confidence. Yeah. Vulnerability matched with confidence is resonating and it's attracting. Totally. Vulnerability with shame, guilt, or fear is repulsive. Yeah. It's the difference between vulnerability as a weakness and vulnerability as a strength. Yep. So the term that I have used before is voluntarily vulnerable. Yeah, I love that. When you're voluntarily vulnerable, you're actually, that's an act of strength. It's not a weakness. You know, weakness can be synonymous with vulnerable. You know, someone who is at risk uh, because they're weaker, softer, whatever. And when you're voluntarily vulnerable, you're choosing it. So it is actually in that moment an act of strength, not weakness. Totally. Those are kind of the big themes behind what it means to kind of spark the the, the relationship and keep it going. Mm-hmm. But practically, what, yeah. can, what can we do on a daily basis to, you know, what what is the flint stone right the stone that like yeah, makes yeah. a spark <laughs> yeah i was like flintstones flintstones <laughs> or like a match yeah like how do we keep this going in daily life yeah uh, there's so many and we've certainly talked about a lot of them in in all different episodes of the medicine um but just a few today to touch on so these are more like short term what you can do for daily practices they're they're small acts but they are potent af So the first one we've talked about a little bit already, but eye gazing, we called it eye contact, but it's more than just like looking each other in the eye. It's intentional. You're locked in uh, and it has this attachment of love and wanting to kind of see into their soul in a really non-creepy way. Right. (laughs) So this really keeps you tapped in to your partner's soul. So you can do this, you know, hugging, like sometimes we'll hug and then I'll pull back and I'll just want to look into your eyes. I want to see you, not necessarily your physical body. I want to see you deep down. It's eye gazing to that degree is incredibly empathizing. Mm -hmm. And it's like taking ecstasy. Yes. After 60 seconds, even though it's like kind of weird to stare for that long, yeah, you will energetically, emotionally feel this sort of like frictionless transition mm-hmm. into connection. Totally. So you can do this hugging, like I said. You can do it, you know, laying in bed. When you're laying down, we sometimes just like stare at each other for a little bit. And we end up usually like giggling or laughing or, you know, like cuddling a little bit. Um, you know, when your partner gets home is a really good time. If they're coming home from work and you don't work together in this, in the same environment, go to them and look at them in the eyes, uh, not in a weird penetrative way, but just like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so right. glad you're back. I'm so glad you're home. It's so good to see you. Um, during conversation, obviously you want to have, you know, let them know that you're present and what they're saying to you is important. You're not looking at your phone or, you know, trying to multitask um, during sex. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, some people may not like that, but it's not like you need to be locked in for like 30 minutes. But, you know, getting uh, getting a glimpse of your partner's eyes is like whew, you're right there. You're it, it makes it an act of souls rather than an act of just two bodies. Totally. If you are either yourself feeling this or feeling it from your partner where there's some level of like, oh my gosh, I'm not totally comfortable in my body or comfortable in this situation right now as far as like, you know, being vulnerable. 
um, and you, you can see that you can feel that your mind is going elsewhere or maybe their mind is going elsewhere eye contact mm -hmm. it brings you back to the present moment of the intimacy that's being created and less about the physicality of what's yeah. going on hey friend I'm popping in here to ask you do you want my number if you're not already one of my text friends, consider this your personal invitation. I send out regular introspective questions, nuggets of wisdom, and insights from my personal journal, as well as exclusive discounts from our partners. It's always something that will either make you think deeply or make you smile. To join, all you have to do is text your name to 619 268 five two nine nine all right talk to you soon cheers yeah and i would say you know i i hope all of the guys ears perked up because something that can get into a woman's head like getting into sexual intercourse is like being like a little insecure about body or whatever like is he seeing this is he seeing this dimple or this stretch mark or this whatever like we can get in our own heads and it cuts us off from feeling pleasure and being in our body but when you're locked in on her eyes she's not thinking about yeah all of that so yeah. guys there you go Take star 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 um and and the last one here is is probably the most important of all of these is maintaining eye contact during charged or intense conversations. Mm. Yeah. It's really important because these are the moments. It, it's easy to love your partner when you're having fun, you're on vacation, you're playing around, you're cooking in the kitchen. Like it's easy. But when you're feeling disconnected or you're feeling like we're not lining up on this or I'm mad at you, I'm pissed, you hurt me, my feelings are hurt, whatever, that's when it's most important to stay locked in not that you can't look away ever, but like keep looking at your partner's eyes. Like you said, it, it gives this air, this attitude of empathy that you are here in this relationship with another soul, not just someone who's pissing you off. Right. And I think when we avoid that, it's really easy to stay in our own head and in our own stories and in our own pain. But when you're locked in on someone's eyes, you're able to see their a little bit in a glimpse into what their perspective could be, what their what might be invisible to you in your experience or the mm -hmm. story that you're telling yourself. When I look at your eyes when we're having an intense conversation, I'm reminded that you have your own experience that is separate from mine. Yep. So it's totally really critical. Perfectly put. Couldn't agree more. Next one here is skin to skin. Ooh. <laughs> and obviously, you know, I'm talking about outside of sex. Like obviously skin to skin during sex is great. Wonderful. We love that. But outside of sex, and this may sound a little strange, a little weird, but just think about this for a second. Have you ever hugged your partner bare stomach to bare stomach mm, out, outside of sex? It's immediately disarming and connecting. I mean, think about babies, like when they literally catapult out of the mother. Yeah. <laughs> the first place they go, usually they should, is straight to mother's chest no, or father's chest or whatever. It's like skin to skin. It, 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 it's something that helps us thrive. Yeah. We need it. We, it we, especially if, if physical touch is your love language. Totally. Uh, it's huge. And it, it doesn't have to be like, hey, let's pull our shirts off and hug for <laughs> or lay on each other. That, <laughs> That's weird and clunky and we do it, but not everybody <laughs> has to. 
it can be something as simple as like you're laying on the couch together and you just put your arm on her leg and it's skin to skin. It can be something as simple as just like kissing her neck. Um, it can be if you're at the beach or, or you're in a swimsuit or even if you're just getting changed like in the same bedroom, just like a hug or an embrace and just feeling what it's like to have mm-hmm. that much physicality without something, you know, sexual associated with it because it really is this connective form of intimacy um, that I think is really underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for the masculine, I'll just speak to times when I feel this from you where it's so, it's so powerful, the tiniest, the tiniest touches. So this last weekend we were laying on the beach and I, we were laying next to each other and my arm was up. So the, the inside of my arm was exposed and you were just very lightly as a feather, just like for probably five minutes, just tickling my wrist and my hand very, very softly just that I was like can we leave I'm ready to go like right (laughs) now and it was such a simple soft just easy you know you weren't you I don't think you had any like intention behind it like a sexual intention behind it but I just say that because it's that powerful for people especially like me I, I I you know love language touch is number one for me um but it is it's real it's powerful skin to skin helps us thrive so be creative. Next one here, uh, things that you can do on a daily basis to uh, keep the spark alive is breathe together. Breath is life. It is our chi. It's our life force energy. And when you can sync those up, like say when you're hugging, and it only takes one person to do this. You don't have to tell your partner you're even doing it. But like when we hug sometimes, I will actually regulate mm-hmm. my breath to match yours and we feel i feel more connected to you yep before dinner we have a ritual of gratitude and we oftentimes just synchronize our breath mm-hmm. um, inhaling love exhaling gratitude and we might take a couple different rounds of breathing but just to you know calm the central nervous system but also just to find this sort of synchronization with your significant other i think when conversations get charged as well another time to come back to your breath is when you're in a heated conversation and just Mm -hmm. slowing down Mm -hmm. let's take a breath okay let's slow down our speech let's uh, the the masculine should deepen his voice Mm -hmm. uh, in a gentle way maybe even physically touching um out of safety and comfort hey i know this is a charged conversation we're okay this is safe you're safe to speak we may have a disagreement but let's find our breath mm-hmm. and oh, that, God, that can yeah. be really powerful oh yeah totally every woman right now is like oh god please <laughs> um okay so next one here is stay curious and ask questions so this relates back to the the highlighting with curiosity so familiarity highlighted with curiosity keep the curiosity in your relationship. Yes, you may be able to finish their sentences. Yes, you may be able to order for them at a restaurant, but you don't know every single facet of every part of their life and every inch of their soul. Mm -hmm. I will never stop wanting to learn about you and wanting to learn how to love you better and show up for you better and what your experience is like. Because newsflash, even though I feel like I know you really well, you're constantly changing. You're constantly evolving. 
I want to keep getting to know that version of you. Definitely. So some things, if, if, if this feels like, oh yeah, I could be definitely better at that, staying curious and asking my partner questions. We've talked about our dinner ritual where we're making dinner together and we, you know, one of us will say like, hey, you want to think of a question today uh, for dinner? And so, we, you know, the answer is always yes. And sometimes we give it a category like, okay, uh, future or family or... Um, vacation or whatever we want the theme to be. Sometimes it's like dorky, like Harry Potter, (laughs) whatever your things are. Great. Just pick anything or it can just be random and it can be as light as, okay, you're going to lunch with anyone from history. Who do you choose and what do you do? That's pretty light. Or it can be something, you know, deep, like it could be something as simple as although deep and, and serious, you know, question I think we've talked about in the past is like, man, if you could, if you could go back and, you know, right one wrong, Mm -hmm. or is there somebody that you heard along the way that you really wish you could go back and, and apologize to, yeah, that's a good one, or sympathize with and empathize with and, and walk through what was happening to you. And, you know, we've had those types of conversations and they're kind of like weirdly deep and serious, (laughs) but they're pretty informative and, and sort of like therapeutic as a couple. Yeah. And and we're actually, we want to create a list for you guys. We want to accumulate, um, curate a list of dinner questions that we've come up with. We should have been writing these down along the way. We really should have, but we're, we're going to create that at some point for you guys. We'll let you know. Um, these are questions that you can ask each other at dinner. Uh, but there's other resources as well. So there's another one that we recently got turned on to that we just bought for ourselves. It's a game that's called we're not really strangers and they have they have different versions so they have like an intimacy version a relationship version and just kind of like a general one that you could like bust out at like parties um so definitely check them out they're good if you if you're like i'm stuck i don't i don't know what i should ask just grab something like this and it can be really benign just like kind of drawing a card and both answering and uh yeah it can be really fun totally And then the last one, the last example of, you know, asking questions uh, or idea rather is if you've ever heard of the 36 questions, this is a fun one. It was a experiment um, that this psychologist came up with in the 90s, and he wanted to see if he could curate or facilitate uh, intimacy between two strangers. So he conducted this experiment. He pulled two people, man and a woman, off the streets of New York, and he put them in a room together and formulated this list of 36 questions. And by the end of it, there was this couple, one of the first ones, who (laughs) he found out you do, you can create intimacy based off of these questions. And one of the couples got married six months later. Isn't that crazy? That is, yeah. So we know that it can work like you can use these questions to go deeper into your relationship the only caveat that i will say here is if you are just casually dating someone be careful with this list i've experienced this myself where if you go through these questions with someone it can sort of feign intimacy uh it's fun if you're like been married or if you're in a long-term relationship with someone it's like oh yeah these are really fun to have on a road trip or traveling but if you're just getting to know someone, these questions, when you go through them, you'll see, I'll have a link in the, in the show notes. Um, you'll see that it's like, it can um, create maybe false intimacy in your relationship. 
it's in the keep the spark alive section for yeah. a reason and that is because it's helpful when there's a pre-existing yes, connection. Totally. Yeah. So it's not to create the connection. Right. And lastly, uh, last one here that we can do on a daily basis is speak into what you love about your partner. I think oftentimes we get in the habit that is just socially acceptable to criticize our partner, to point out what is wrong or not perfect or what we would have done differently, what they didn't do right, what they didn't do perfect. Instead, <laughs> tell your brain to look for the things that you love about your partner. I'm not saying that they're just magically perfect overnight, but when you start to look for things that you love about them and speak into them, speak to them like, God, you're so good at this. Yeah. Or I love this about you. Or even to other people like in public, like, oh man, he, yeah, he's so good at this. I love this about him. Instead, you know, you can really make that, that what is important to your brain to keep picking up on rather than the criticism which will absolutely help in keeping the spark alive. This will be significantly easier if you are not codependent. If you are interdependent or individualized in your lifestyle, you won't be reminded of what somebody is not doing for you because you are whole and complete. Therefore, what they do for you is icing on a cake mm -hmm. instead of a missing like slice of the cake. Totally, yeah. So there you go. I'll run through these really quickly. Daily practices, eye gazing regularly, skin to skin, breathe together, stay curious, keep asking them questions, and speak to what you love in your partner. So good. <laughs> I feel like we could have gone for like another two hours because this topic is so rich and dense and... Uh, Depending on how you guys like this, if you want more, uh, you know, we're always open to feedback from you guys. So we love uh, seeing what you think of the episode and how it helped, what stood out to you. Um, this is the kind of information that can change people's lives. I'm not trying to toot our own horns, but I'm very confident that so many relationships have what it takes. They have that initial foundation that is so strong they have the love. It's there, like you and I did. We had the love. Sometimes we just need to incorporate more tools and awareness in the space of conscious relating so that we can continue to create what we want and, and really paint this beautiful masterpiece that is our life and relationship together. Yeah, there's untapped wells of abundant romantic energy, and you just got to keep looking for them because... They're not just always all of them going to show up when you first start dating. Mm -hmm. They're gonna they're gonna evolve and change and turn, and, and you're gonna get to uncover a, a whole host of different, uh, you know, fun areas to explore with your significant other if you just want to keep yeah. working on it. Treat it like an adventure. Yeah. Every stage of your life, every decade could be a new level. You know. No doubt. Oh, so good. All right. Before I, we before oh. we go. Oh, you got me. I gotta know. Yeah. What is your medicine today? Today, my medicine is, I had another great workout today. I had, it was arms and back and abs today, and it just felt really good. I felt really strong. 
Shout out to Keon <laughs> for helping me. I've fueled up with the Keon Aminos before, and I've just been feeling really good with my workouts. Just really strong and, you know, constantly progressing. And and uh, it's just, it's a really fun way to start my day going into, um, you know, producing and creating, already having that sort of medicine in my morning and just being like, I'm strong, I'm able, I can do this. Totally. What about you? What's your medicine? You know, my medicine has been and, and currently is this really fun YouTube channel that I've stumbled into <laughs> called The Fifth Kind. <laughs> and it's about like ancient aliens and just super crazy things. Um, but it's been fun for me. It's really well done. It's like produced really well and just talking about completely batshit crazy ideas about you know, how the world was created by ancient aliens and stuff. And <laughs> I find that stuff really entertaining and fun to just pretend it's real or maybe it is real. I don't know. But this is like a well-done channel. Mm -hmm. um, it's bringing up a lot of like really interesting questions for me. And it's a nice little escapism. It's outside of uh, anything that's that's uh, part of my, you know, normal life. And so I really have enjoyed just, you know, having a little time in the evening, 30 minutes to watch one of these one of these videos. And, and it's been it's been play for me. Yeah, we may or may not have bought this guy's book. We so. may or may not get him on the podcast <laughs> to talk about ancient aliens. So It's really well done, though. It's like each one is like a mini documentary. Yeah, yeah. he's awesome. Yeah, love it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate and review Spotify. Share Apple Podcasts. Yes. We really appreciate the share. It, it helps this thing keep going, and uh, we don't want to go anywhere. So if you could keep spreading the word, we would love it so much yes we do all right you guys thanks for tuning in we will talk to you next time go spread some light okay bye if you liked this episode make sure you hit that subscribe button in apple podcasts spotify or wherever you prefer to listen this will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine to learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, along with the discounts, visit themedicine.com forward slash medicine cabinet, or just check the show notes for this episode. Until next time, cheers, boo.